Johansson had been working in IT at a community college in Madison, Wisconsin, for 13 years when he got the phone call. The unexpected call that sent him down an unexpected path at a time when everything was uncertain. It was the summer of 2020. Joe was working from home, like a lot of the world at that point, when a coworker from the college called him up. This guy, Jason, from the athletic department. They knew each other, but Joe still thought, hmm, that's weird. I work in IT. Why does the assistant athletic director need to talk to me? We spent the first few minutes catching up, you know, seeing how we're adjusting to the, the new normal, as everyone loved to call it back then. And then suddenly Jason asked a question that I was not expecting. The guy said, so as you can imagine, we've had to shut down most of our athletic teams right now, COVID and all, which is obviously not great. But also it's freed us up to think about something that's been brewing in our heads for a few years now. Like a lot of us during those early COVID days, the folks at the athletic department had a lot of free time on their hands. But instead of baking sourdough bread or learning Swahili on Duolingo, they were thinking a little bit bigger. Jason asked if I would be interested in helping start an esport team at Madison College. And by start an esport team, he meant essentially from scratch. I paused and I said, I'm not sure what that means. With in-person athletics no longer an option for now, the college thought, well, there actually is an online sports option. Esports. Competitive video gaming, essentially. They figured they'd need someone in IT to tackle this, and that Joe would be the perfect person. It was overwhelming. I wasn't really sure how to respond. Like, first of all, esports? What does that really mean? And how do you coach video games? But actually, never mind, it doesn't even matter, because when would Joe find the time? Like, he was already putting in 50 hours a week at his IT job. He had a teenage son, a wife, not to mention the overwhelming stress of those early pandemic days. In what world could he squeeze this into his life? And there was really no plan for compensation that first year. Oh, wait, they just didn't plan to pay the coach? Nope. This second job would essentially be a glorified volunteer position. And when Joe asked, well, what about equipment or space? Immediate, no. Whoa. They're viewing this like it's a student-run club Mm. when it's supposed to be a varsity-level athletic program. The athletic director said, oh, and we need to know kind of immediately because the gaming tournaments are going to start real soon. Joe hung up. He talked to his wife, who was like, I'm sorry, you're working way too much already, and you want to do what now? And for free? But then he talked to his teenage son, a gamer himself. He was all smiles. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. He's like, you got to do it. And this sparked something in Joe. It brought him back to when he was a teenage boy. Growing up, video games was always that, you know, kind of dirty secret that I kept to myself. Everyone would be rushing home to go and do whatever, First thing on my mind was finish homework and get on the computer. Video games were like this perfect escape for teenage Joe, who was struggling with a big move and his parents' divorce. But no one in his life really understood his draw to gaming. His parents always pushed him to go outside instead. And whenever his friends hit him up to go to a party and he'd turn it down to game, they were like, seriously? Oh, you don't want to go out and do X or Y. You'd just rather sit at home by yourself. They're insinuating antisocial, you know, characteristics on you when 
that's not really the case. What people misunderstood Joe felt was that gaming, it's actually really social. If anything, Joe felt more connected to online friends than friends he might have had some fleeting conversation with at a loud party. He shared some of his deepest inner thoughts with these friends in a way he didn't in real life. Joe very personally, very deeply, understood the value of that kind of community. And in the summer of 2020, what people needed so badly was real connection. So maybe an esports team could deliver that? Without even realizing it, the assistant athletic director had asked the most ludicrous question, do you want an unpaid coaching gig in the middle of the pandemic on top of your full-time day job? To the exact right person. I thought to myself, what if the only reason I didn't have this when I was younger was because someone thought about self before others? So when the athletic department called Joe back up and asked, you in? Against his better scheduling judgment, against his own pocketbook. I said, all right. I, I'll, I'll take it on. We'll see what we can do. I'm Rima Khreis, and you're listening to This is Uncomfortable, a show for Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. Sometimes in life, these opportunities come along. Things you didn't even know you wanted, but when they show up, something inside of you, despite all logic, compels you to say, yeah, I'm going to do this. And this thing, it might come at the worst possible time. It might be something you don't even know that much about. But that's the interesting thing about human nature. Like, there's been a bunch of studies about this. That after some baseline of pay, in the long run, we're often more motivated by intrinsic things. What speaks to our sense of self, our deepest desires and wants, over extrinsic things, like money. And Joe would need a lot of intrinsic motivation to do this thing. Because not only had it not been done before, but he'd get very little support at a time when everything around him already felt like it was falling apart. When he got off that second phone call with the athletic department, that's when it really hit him. It was instantly like, oh God, what did I just do? Like almost instant remorse. The first thing Joe had to do to start this esports team at his community college was figure out what esports is. It's kind of those questions you see in Google search that you laugh about, like, what are esport coaches? Very quickly, this question leads to answers that lead to more questions. What the league is like, the average level of competition, how much time is needed, and what kind of equipment is going to be needed. And what Joe found is that esports, put simply, is this incredibly fast-growing world of competitive organized video gaming. Think of all those video games you might see your friends and family playing when they're monopolizing the living room. Call of Duty, League of Legends, Super Smash Bros. Three, two, one, go! Now imagine those games on an even bigger scale. Because just like traditional sports, there are levels to it. Like at the very top, there are the pro leagues. Top video gamers around the world compete against each other in these huge arenas with dramatic lighting and thousands of spectators cheering along as they watch on these massive screens. Meanwhile, esports commentators break down every move. It's terrifying. There goes the To the untrained eye, these pro-level games could look a lot like normal video game sessions. Same characters, same general rules. But at the competitive level, it can all come down to the seemingly small things, like reaction time. 
And as you age, this is just a fact of life. Your reaction is probably one of the first things that starts to be uh, a bit slower. Mm. And and when you say slower, like what's the difference here? We're talking like uh, hundreds of a millisecond. Like really? you're, you're talking the difference between you getting a counter on, in a fighting game or you avoiding a shot or making a shot in a, in a shooter game. And those skills can translate to a lot of money. The best pro players in the world can make anywhere from $25,000 to a million dollars a year between prize money, sponsorships, and streaming revenue. But again, that is the pro level. At the college level, students are usually competing not for prize money, but for trophies. And the sort of indirect financial benefit, to Madison College at least, was that if Joe did his job well, they could use esports as a kind of recruitment tool. More and more colleges were already creating their own varsity esports teams, with some even offering scholarships. As Joe dug into this world and realized just how much more complex it was than he'd expected, he understood very quickly that he'd need a few more suckers like him to help. So he reached out to some colleagues who quickly responded, honestly, quite rationally. I got a couple people saying, yikes, good luck, buddy, no thanks. Like, don't have time, right? Eventually, a few brave souls said, maybe? But like, what are you even asking me to do? And this is the moment IT employee Joe turned into Coach Joe. He revs up his very first impromptu pep talk. Like, look, we're walking through the forest at night with a blindfold on, holding hands. Trees may break the handhold, but like, we'll get there, man. And with that blindfolded in the forest speech, he got himself two assistant coaches. Now time to get some players. His first draft of that pep talk, less motivational. There was really nothing to show. Like, hey, we're doing esports. We have no players. We have no teams. We don't play any games yet. Come join us. That sounds like that's a really terrible sales pitch. (laughs) Instead, he resorted essentially to pleading. They sent out a mass email to the students saying, Please join this esports team. We're new and we're figuring things out. It'll be fun. We promise. And that email, it landed in the inbox of one Caden Crockett, the perfect recruit. At that point, I was already like competing at a really high level in Wisconsin. I was doing bigger tournaments. I was traveling like out of state and stuff. His friend says, if you'll do it, I'll do it. And with Caden's trademark enthusiasm... He said, like, I mean, I guess it sounds fun. So let's let's just see what it's like. Joe didn't know it yet, but he landed himself a big fish. Caden has been carpooling to local esports competitions since he was in middle school. He's got tournament posters plastered all around his room. He's not a pro player, but he's ranked in Wisconsin and very confident about his skills. In a way, Caden was the kind of gamer Joe had expected he might get. I'm targeting the stereotypical, like, what you think of when you think of esports. I'm thinking someone in STEM or someone in IT, and usually a a male. I was like, wait, you mean I can play video games and not get in trouble for playing video games? Like, actually have a reason to play? And that's Paisley Bennett, another one of the team's first recruits. Not the stereotypical player Joe had imagined, but he was thrilled to have a woman join the team, even if she was the only one. Video games are always my outlet. It's just another way for me to escape, I don't know, escape reality, I guess. 
Paisley had never played video games competitively. But from Joe's vantage point, it's not a huge deal. Because in coaching, yeah, you're developing players, but you're also developing people, that community side of things. And Paisley would be a great fit in that sense. She was a bit like young Joe, someone in search of a place to belong, who might find it in gaming. Before coming to Madison College, Paisley had attended a Christian college, which at one point had all but kicked her out when she came out as gay. So she'd lost that community. And she'd also recently lost another community she'd been a part of since she was really young. So I was the only girl playing football from third grade to eighth grade. And I basically had the attitude of, I don't care who you are, I'm going to prove you wrong. Football was always a big part of Paisley's life. For years, she was the only girl on an all-boys team. And as an adult, she kept playing, eventually joining a women's semi-pro team. Until one day, in the middle of a game, she got a blackout concussion. So I remember getting the ball. And next thing I know, there are two people in my face. And then I wake up. Oh, jeez. After that, I, like, hung up the cleats. I was like, nope, I'm done. I cannot afford another concussion. I had to accept that I wasn't playing contact sports anymore, which has been a whole part of my life. It was an identity crisis, to be honest. So when that email arrived in Paisley's inbox two years into her identity crisis, and now six months into a pandemic that had dashed her hopes of finding a community, a kind of lost and lonely Paisley thought exactly what Joe hoped some kids might. Maybe this is where I can belong? I sent back the interest form. I was like, whatever, I have the time. I'm going to do it. In all, Joe ended up getting almost 150 responses from students. I was actually surprised. I, I couldn't believe it. Well, a lot of the students didn't end up following through, and a huge chunk didn't meet the academic requirements to play. So by the time they held their first virtual team meeting, only about 12 students showed up. One by one, Joe watched as their faces popped up on his screen. One Paisley, one Caden, and 10 other students. When Paisley notices she's the only woman on the screen, she immediately starts having doubts. I was like, hmm, here we are again. The only female in a male-dominant sport. Womp womp. (laughs) I was like, well. And it happened to be I was one of the oldest on the team. Paisley was 27, and she's like, Seriously? Am I stuck with a bunch of immature gamer boys? I just had, like, these perceptions of, like, these awkward gaming boys who sit around and eat Cheetos and don't have personal hygiene. One of those gamer boys, Caden, is also having his own doubts. This meeting is awkward. Joe is stumbling his way through a Go Team speech, and no one really knows each other, except for Caden and his friend, who are seriously judging on a side call. We had our mics muted, and we were in a separate call, just, like, kind of talking about what they were talking about. You were (laughs) shit-talking. A little bit. (laughs) Caden's realizing, oh, my teammates, they have no idea how this thing I've been doing for years even works. I'm like, I don't know what Discord is. I don't know what Twitch is. And I was like, what is this? If this was a sports movie, this would be the scene where the new ragtag team sits around the locker room. Like you have the cocky jock on the bench, the scrawny kid in the corner, 
bunch of kids who look just plain lost as a locker swings off its hinges and someone hands out secondhand uniforms. Coach Joe starts explaining the basics. Like, okay, team, so you can think of Twitch as your stadium. This is where games are live streamed. The Discord server, that's like the locker room. It's where practice schedules are posted, strategies are discussed. And if you're still confused about how esports works, think of it as being structured like track and field. Track and field has all these different events, relays, races, javelin. Same thing here. Some of you might play the video game Super Smash Bros. Others might play Madden NFL. But you're all under the umbrella of this team. For his opening pep talk, Joe goes with honesty. I said, this is new to all of us that are involved and that we need to, to like have realistic expectations. With the tournaments fast approaching, Joe did not want to waste any time. First and foremost, we need to get players on rosters and entered into these tournaments. A bunch of students choose a first-person shooter game known as Overwatch. Caden goes for a classic, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, while Paisley is drawn to a place that feels close to home, Madden NFL. And with that, let the games begin. Except that, well, in Paisley's corner of the team, the games were beginning again and again, starting and stopping. There was a glitch in the game. Like, you could be sitting there trying to pass it and clicking that button 50 times and still not passing. I'd just be yelling at the TV. I'm about to throw this controller out the window. Like, I'm so mad at it. Like, you've got to be kidding me. The glitches were a recurring problem for a few players, mostly because the team didn't have its own physical gaming space with proper equipment and a stable network. Meanwhile, the students playing Overwatch, they're losing badly. So badly that their best player completely ghosts Joe, never hears from him again. And that team has to fold entirely. We couldn't play the season without having the sixth player. Oh, no. So at that point, we had to pull the roster from that that official tournament. I didn't realize that we were going to have to deal with people just quitting like that. Over in Super Smash Bros., even their strongest player, Caden, is struggling, much to his surprise and annoyance. Once you have, like, solid results, you kind of expect to, like, always be up there. And then when you do bad, it's, like, the end of the world. Like, oh, wow, I actually lost to someone that's in, like, a junior college circuit. Losing made Caden remember all those other times he faced mental blocks in his past tournaments and how they shake his confidence. Like, whenever I'd, like, lose the lead or something, it was like, oh, wow, time to lose. Maybe I am just getting all these good wins off of, like, luck or, like, I'm a fraud. And through all of this, watching on the other side of the screen was Coach Joe wondering very deeply what he'd gotten himself into. When you're not getting paid with money, you need some other form of payment. Team morale, wins, player progress. But on all fronts... Joe is coming up bankrupt, and the stakes are starting to set in. It was a very um, demoralizing, you know, my name's attached to this. This is the organization that pays my mortgage. This is, this is where I make my livelihood. If I make a misstep in this, this could affect my career negatively. In this tightrope walk of trying to avoid missteps, it takes Joe to his breaking point. That's in a moment.
Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. News of the esports team's rocky start began to make its way around the college. Word on the street was that those gamer kids and their strange little team were kind of a hot mess. I'm feeling that I'm being judged by my counterparts in athletics um. based on the just chaos that is our team right now. Mm. And, and what are you afraid they're thinking exactly? I'm afraid they're thinking that this is nothing more than like a club. Even from my colleagues that I'm friendly with, they're like, oh, you're just over there. It's your frat house. Just like a bunch of dumb guys screwing around all day and playing video games. They're not thinking of them as a serious varsity-level team. All of Joe's childhood insecurities about what people used to say about the frivolousness of gaming starts coming back to him. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, that's the perception that you all have when we, like, we put the time in. Like, no one's having fun at some of those practices where I make them do a drill for 30 minutes because they can't do it yet. Like, learning a new skill is not easy. Like, this takes actual skill, people. At this point, Joe is floundering under the weight of the team's struggles, the disrespect from his colleagues for a job he's not getting paid to do. Meanwhile, it's getting harder and harder to juggle his day job. Then one night, the final straw. It was his son's first varsity hockey game. He'd practiced all summer for varsity tryouts and was finally in the starting lineup. The night of the game, Joe just needed to run an esports scrimmage and then he'd be good to go. But at the last minute, because of some scheduling conflicts, Joe had to delay their practice. He knew this would be a problem. I'm sitting in my home office, and I hear my wife kind of walking down the hall towards the room, and I just remember her saying, you ready to go? Joe is torn. He feels like his rookie team needed this extra practice. He looks at the screen, his players waiting for his instruction, and looks back at his wife. And I said, I'm not going to make it. And she said, why? Can't someone else take that over for you? Like, can't you go to this hockey game? And it hurt because I felt like I had to make a decision, family or team. Up until then, Joe had only missed one game throughout his son's entire childhood when he was on a business trip. And during that hockey game, his son got a concussion. So Joe is adamant. He does not want to miss another game. He tells his wife, Okay, give me 10 minutes. I'll see what I can do. He jumps into Discord and messages anyone he can think of that can cover for him. But no one can make it. And finally, his wife says, Okay, we have to go. Uh, I remember her leaving looking really hurt. Sitting at his desk at home as he's running his teams through the drills, all Joe can think of is his son. He probably saw his mom and then probably looked towards where I normally would stand at the top of the bleachers and saw everyone's dad but his. I was like, wow, he probably feels abandoned. Like I, I chose esports over him. And that, that's, a really, that's a really sad thing to 
imagine that in like a, you know, 15, 16 year old boy's head, like, wow, my dad chose some other team over my team. It was all starting to feel like way too much for far too little in return. He was livid. Sitting there in an empty house, Joe reaches for his phone and begins drafting an email. I don't think that anyone here at the college knows this, but I typed up my resignation from esports that night. I was incredibly frustrated. Right. Um, so it sounds like that night really drove you to the edge. And, and you were like, I, I can't. Yeah. Like, I, I had never felt more betrayed by the people that had actually tried to recruit me to do this than that one moment that night. Like, I was forced to choose esports over my family. And that was something I said I was not going to do when I agreed to do this. That was the discussion I had with my wife was I was like, my priorities aren't going to change. He types up the letter. And as his hand hovers over the send button, he starts getting DMs from players. Saying, I know you had other things to do tonight, but like, we really appreciate you taking the time and spending it with us. Because without you, we wouldn't have been able to do this at all. And that kind of response, it's pretty much why he took this job in the first place. Maybe there wasn't much to show for all those hours he was putting in, but he couldn't ignore that this community he was trying to build was actually starting to feel like one. These players genuinely didn't feel like they may have belonged when they were younger and trying to just do things that they wanted to do, whether it was their parents disapproving of their hobbies, their lifestyle, their friends, their potential career paths, or whatever it may have been. And Joe worried, if I drop out now... If, if I didn't do this, maybe no one else would come and try and fill my shoes, and, and then this opportunity doesn't exist any longer. Joe saved his resignation email to draft, turned out the lights, and went to bed. And in the morning, he logged back onto the gaming server. Hey guys, how's it going? Let's win us some games today. After that night, it felt like there was renewed energy in the team. The students were starting to understand what Joe and the assistant coaches were giving up to do this. Like they don't have to stay up till midnight and answer your questions or be on call essentially 24-7 when they're not getting paid to do something. Because they don't have to put in that extra effort. The players even gave Joe a nickname. No one calls me Mr. Hansen. They call me Schmo. You know, the whole Joe Schmo. Oh, I like that. I like it. It's, it's a term of endearment to me. And Coach Schmo was now determined to bring them to victory. Over the weeks, he'd come to realize that Caden, the overconfident 18-year-old, kind of had a reason to be so confident. But the thing is, Caden is kind of like the rogue quarterback of the Madison College esports team. Yeah, he's good, but he's also got this reputation of, well, I'll just let him tell you. I'm very cocky, and I talk a lot of trash. And he's the kind of player who doesn't like to be corrected during practices. I don't, like, really like being told how to work on things. Caden, he didn't really know how to hold his tongue. So, like, it was a, you know, we were working through that, and I'm like, let's focus on the game. After winning his matches, Caden would sometimes clash with the losing players, you know, talking some trash. And when that would happen, Joe would pull him into a Discord call, their virtual locker room, and give him a little tough love. Like, listen. 
there there is an individual on the other side of this this situation that like words like that can affect them and their confidence like let's build them up not tear them down you know it takes a while to break that through to someone but he eventually understood Caden was winning game after game and slowly starting to be a little nicer about it but Paisley she wasn't on so much of a winning streak so like game 1 you lost. How about game two? Lost. Game three? Lost. <laughs> game four? Lost. <laughs> game five? Lost. Game six? Lost. It sucked. I don't like losing. Um, I've never been on a team where I've lost every game. But in a way, she was getting the thing she missed. A sense of community. During the season, as she struggled with her game, she turned to Joe for comfort. And I told her, I was like, I encourage you to, to try out, make an honest effort, and you'll surprise yourself. He'd celebrate the quasi-wins she did get, like this field goal she made during a tough game, something she was struggling to do all season. She sent me a DM, like, right after, like, I made a field goal, and I was like, awesome, let's go. And when she had some happy personal news, she turned to the team to celebrate. Like one day after a practice, before logging off. I just remember being like, oh yeah, I'm engaged. Like just casually throwing it out there. But sharing this part of herself didn't feel casual, especially since her first experiences coming out when she was younger did not end well. I was scared to tell people, but they didn't care who I was marrying as long as I was being treated right. And to feel the support and excitement from a team that like I knew but wasn't super close with was super meaningful. Over time, Paisley and this ragtag band of supposed Cheetos chomping dudes, they did start to grow close, like really close. I could say like half these people are more like family now. Like even though the season didn't turn out well for us in Madden, like whatever we needed, they were still there. Like, when it comes down to it, I can show these people who I am and trust them. After two months of games, the regular season was coming to an end. Coach Joe's team racked up more losses than wins. But there was still a glimmer of hope, a chance for a big victory. Caden, their top player, had made it through to the playoffs for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. The playoff tournaments would run for a week and then lead up to a final championship game. The first couple of rounds of the playoffs were pretty easy and I didn't think much of it. And then Joe started to psych me out for my third round because he's like, oh, this guy like won the last season. And I was like, oh, he might actually be good. This is scary. He'd researched his opponents, something he'd kind of refused to do before. Didn't feel like it was really necessary. And he'd even started feeling the first tinges of school pride. So, you know, baby steps. I thought it would be cool to, like, give them a championship title, like, for their first, like, season and stuff. It would definitely, like, kind of make it a little more notable and maybe take it a little more seriously. Finally, Caden makes it all the way to the championship game. He wouldn't admit it, but Joe says he was pretty nervous. The day of the championship, before Caden logs on to get ready to play, Joe pulls him into a Discord call, 
and launches into the best locker room pep talk of his life. I'm like, let's focus on the game. Let's focus on playing right now. Don't focus on what people are saying. And I, I believe I did like every cliche coach thing that you that you can do. I was like, you know what? Winners focus on winning. And with that, he ushers his player out onto the field and steps into the virtual stands to watch, now trying to calm his own nerves. You know, this is the biggest stage that our team's ever been able to, to be on. As he watches and waits, though, there's no sign of Caden. But someone does appear. Someone by the name of Loaded Diaper walks onto the metaphorical field. And they're like, oh, I think we have a compromised lobby. We'll have to, we'll, we'll sort that out. We'll be right back. And chaos ensued right before the match. Joe hits up Caden and is like, wait, is that you? And he was like, it's a joke. It's from a book. I think the Diary of a Wimpy Kid is like the funniest thing in the world because it's just so bad. And I was like, I know the book it's from. I have a young kid at home. It's not a shock to me, but they're expecting the name of your character. He thinks it's hilarious. I'm mortified. After getting some laughs in, Caden eventually changes his username. But then he decides to switch his gaming character to one he's never really practiced with before. Switching characters in Super Smash Bros. is a big deal because different characters have different strengths and weaknesses that take time and practice to master. Like, Caden's best player was this character called Wolf. But he swaps Wolf for Roy, who's a sword-fighting character. Joe is watching this, thinking, Caden, what are you doing? But what appears to be Caden just messing around again is actually strategy. I knew the other guy played a character that Roy does really well against, so I figured that was my best shot. Joe and his assistant coaches are huddled on a Discord call watching the championship game at the edge of their gaming chairs, fully aware of what is at stake here. I didn't want to get ahead of myself, but I said it to both of my other assistant coaches. I was like, he is single-handedly giving us a chance to validate our team in our first season. Things move fast in Super Smash Bros. The arena is basically comprised of these platforms where you're battling with other characters and trying to knock one another off. And Caden, who has for once done his homework on his opponent, he tries this jumping move to catch the other player off guard. I remember he had a really bad jumping habit, so I just kind of run at him and match his jump and hit him out of the air. It's a solid move. And like, we were all in shock at like what, what we were witnessing. That's when it solidified in my mind that this young man is genuinely gifted in this game. Mm. And, like, he can switch it up and he can beat you playing, like, between five and ten different characters. With every move, it looks like Caden is gaining more and more ground on his opponent. And Joe is feeling ecstatic. Just like, yes! And then Caden makes his final move. He waits and builds up his energy in it so that he can, like, kind of do a special finishing move. And he just ties this guy up in a combo, hits him backwards, and, like, sends him plastered like a bug against the screen. Then you see, like, victory. Victory! Roy wins this battle. Hayden won the championship. And he celebrated in classic Caden style. Like, woo, I win. So good. 
on the Coach Schmo Discord channel, it's a whole other story. I said, we just won a championship, boys. <laughs> I can't believe we just won something. Not that I don't believe in my team, but who goes into their first season like I'm claiming a victory and that I'm winning a title in one of these games. Joe congratulated Caden, virtually high-fived the other coaches, and exhausted but exhilarated, he logged off with his mind already racing, racing ahead to the future. We're going to be treated differently now. Hmm. We're going to have more recruits. People are going to not just be like, oh, they started esports. No, we started and claimed a title in esports. He was already dreaming of what this could mean for them. I was trying to figure out how to leverage this into something for the team. You know, we wanted a campus home. We wanted a place to call our own on campus. And soon enough, word about the championship game had spread throughout campus. One day, Joe was at the school when he ran into Jason. Remember the assistant athletic director who first approached him about this job? And he was like, hey, I've been meaning to reach out to you. I got a really, I got some good news for you that I think you're going to like. Jason told him that the Madison College District Board was inviting Joe to their next quarterly meeting to learn more about the program and potentially invest more resources into it. This was Joe's chance. He prepared relentlessly, and on the day of the virtual meeting, when his turn came, he got straight to the point. He told him, listen, for this program to be truly successful, the college needs to fully support it with the right equipment and proper staffing. Because you all may not know the difference between the latest PCs or the best gaming chairs, but those students do. I wanted to be very clear with them that if we are to do this, we need to do this all the right way. And that starts with making this a capital project at the college. He told him there are 80 high schools in the state that are running official esports programs. If we can just get one high school player from half of those schools, that's 40 new students. 40 new students paying tuition and bringing in more revenue for this school. And they ended with, you know, we all saw, you know, one of my favorite movies growing up. And, you know, Kevin Costner was right, okay? If you build it, they will come. Like, we have to have something before people are going to come to Madison College for this. We can't just talk about it and expect them to show up. He'd made his case. Then about a month and a half later, after no word from the board, Joe ran into one of his colleagues who said, I really shouldn't say this, but I think there's some good news coming your way. I'm like, hold on. What do you know? Who told you what? Like, I literally grabbed them and wouldn't let them leave. I was like, what do you know? And I, I shook them down like a mobster. Like, tell me what you know. Who told you and when? This guy wouldn't tell him much, just that the board had made a decision. And then a week later... The assistant athletic director asked Joe to stop by his office. And he said, we did it. And I was like, what did we do? And he's like, they've agreed to giving you a space. And I said, oh, yeah? What, like, where? How big is it? Like, what? Like, I'm asking so many questions. They're so far down the road from that point. The esports team would finally have a dedicated space to game and compete. And not just that. They were finally going to pay Joe and his assistant coaches. Not as much as he'd hoped, only about 10% of his annual salary. But he was at least happy it was something, and he plans to push for more money later on. 
It's been two years since that first season. The team now plays and competes in a 1,600-square-foot space with rows of brand-new PCs and snazzy blue LED lights. And they've got a separate room in the back just for streaming. Since 2020, they've won three final tournaments. Now we're a, a championship program. It was very nice to hear like those words come out of people's mouths from that point forward when they talked about us. It made me feel like people were actually believing in us. And more than that, over the seasons, especially as they've gone back to campus, the team has gotten a lot closer. Many of them hang out and game outside of school, and some even feel comfortable enough confiding in Joe about more personal problems they're dealing with. And remember Paisley? She stuck with the team after graduation and is now working for them as an assistant coach. She carved out the position herself after proving to Joe just how eager and committed she is. She'd be like, hey, I was thinking about we would do this for our streams. And like if we tweeted something out like this a little bit before the game and well, what about this graphic? Like many students, Paisley has found a lot of meaning being part of this team. Like the camaraderie, it just makes her feel good. Like when you drink like something warm, like hot chocolate or eat soup and you're like, ah, warm, fuzzy feeling. It's that feeling you get when you share an inner world with a handful of people who all speak the same language. You don't have to explain yourself or justify why you're drawn to this world. Everyone there gets it, and everyone wants to be there, together. Joe himself had forgotten that feeling. I used to joke, I was the mushroom. Keep me in the dark under a, a pile of manure. Like, I, that's IT. And had it not been for the perfect storm of events that pushed him to become a coach, he likely would have stayed in the dark. So looking back on everything, uh, was it worth it? Absolutely. I gained more from that than I realized. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize at the time how much satisfaction I would receive from, you know, enriching some student that I didn't know beforehand, Mm. like enriching their college experience. Like the appreciation of my students uh, single-handedly makes this worthwhile. What once felt really daunting now feels like something Joe can't imagine not being part of his life. He sometimes thinks back to that initial tug he felt, how despite all financial and emotional logic, taking on this job felt like the right thing to do. How it spoke to feelings deep inside of him he didn't even realize were there. In a way, he found the very thing the students had been craving all along. Really the thing all of us are in constant pursuit of a feeling of belonging. All right, that is all for our show this week. If you want to reach out to me and the team, by the way, to share any thoughts or share your own story, you can always email us at uncomfortable at marketplace.org. Also, do not forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter if you haven't already. There's always great recs in there for things to read or listen to or cook. In this week's newsletter, I write about my competitive sporting experience with marching band. Yes, it is a sport. You can check that out by signing up for our newsletter at marketplace.org comfort. This episode was lead produced by me, Serena Chow, and hosted by Rima Reyes. Rima and I wrote the script together. 
The episode got additional support from producers Alice Wilder, Peter Bellanon-Rosen, and Hannah Harris-Green. Zoe Saunders is our senior producer. Our editor is Karen Duffin. Markay Green is our digital producer, with help from Tony Wagner. Our intern is Kanal Patel. Sound design and audio engineering by Drew Jostad. Donna Tam is the director of On Demand. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. And our theme music is by Wonderly. This is Uncomfortable is supported in part by the Cy Sims Foundation, partnering with organizations and people working for a better and more just future since 1985. All right, we'll catch y'all next week. And I thought it'd be funny to like win a title with that. And they're like, oh, that's not appropriate. He needs to change his name. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy.